Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to the School of Humanity, episode 15. We are Jason and Rachel Bowman. We are talking about the discernment of spirits by St. Ignatius of Loyola and... Last time we actually covered two rules, which was... It was an Easter miracle. (laughs) It was unbelievable. (laughs) We recovered seven and eight, and uh, we were discussing... We're in the midst of desolation, not like you and I. Not real desolation, like discussing desolation. (laughs) Right. We're swimming in it right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's horrible. Um, (laughs) And um, what recap for us? Rule Um, seven and eight? Well, I can recap Rule 8, because that's okay. here in front of me. But um, at, in Rule 8, he just talked about the fact that it's, it's time to persevere, and it's time to also go back and look at the things that you have to do in conscious effort. Right, to, okay. To fight against the desolation. So that's where we turn interiorly against desolation and take right. steps to um, sort of overcome it. Right. So okay. just like uh, five and six gave you things that you cannot do during desolation, seven and eight gave you things that you can do during desolation. Right. It's almost um, important to note that he teaches us what to do while doing while in desolation before he goes under Rule Nine, which we're talking about today, which is the reasons why you're there. Right. Um, because it's almost more important to not. Think necessarily, and you know, over and over again in this confused state of uh, why am I here so much at first, but rather just have like this innate response as to what to do. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't change anything that you had resolved to do when you were being consoled by the Lord. You know, keep praying, keep whatever ministry you're doing, or uh, you know, these resolutions in your life to grow in holiness, and then increase your prayer life again, you know, and, and actively turn against that desolation you're feeling. Um, and then I think amongst your med- meditation, when you're turning against it, you start to consider the reasons why you might be here. Um, and, you know, knowledge is power in a sense uh, to, over this desolation that you're experiencing. So then when you come to know why you're in the m- midst of it, it helps you to understand it and to deal with it, wouldn't you say? Yes, definitely. Okay. <clears throat> so rule nine. You? There are three principal causes for which we find ourselves desolate. The first is because we are tepid, slothful, or negligent in our spiritual exercises. And so through our faults, spiritual consolation withdraws from us. The second, to try us and see how much we are and how much we extend ourselves in his service and praise without so much payment of consolations and increased graces. The third, to give us true recognition and understanding so that we may interiorly feel that it is not ours to attain or maintain increased devotion, intense love, tears, or any other spiritual consolation, but that all is the gift and grace of God our Lord, and so that we may build a nest in something belong to another raising our mind in some pride or vainglory, attributing to ourselves the devotion or the other parts of the spiritual consolation. 
what comes to my mind immediately hearing all those rules is that the Lord permits desolation uh, because he won't settle for us being consoled or uh, happy on a very superficial level. Right. He, he wants us to be through and through, you know, uh, in union with him in the life right. of the Trinity. And trusting him. Right. You know? And so eventually what happens when we just, when there's always good things happening or we're always being consoled, eventually what could happen is that you're just constantly, you, you forget where it comes from. Right. You know? That's true. That's the second part of that, right? Right. The second reason you're in desolation. And then, um, but it was really beautiful the other day. I was telling Jason that in the, in the podcast from Father Timothy Gallagher, who actually is the writer of the Discernment of Spirits, where he breaks down the, the rules of discernment from St. Ignatius. Um, he has a podcast that's available via iTunes, and he also has one on um, an app called Discerning Hearts. And he talks about Rule 9, and basically he, it was so beautiful and so timely because he said that this always makes him think of Holy Thursday um, and how in Scripture... The disciples asked Christ, you know, where can we come with you? You know, where are you going? And he says, it is better for you if I go. And it always makes me cry a little bit to think about that, that moment when he says that, because I'm sure that the disciples don't, do not understand, you know, no. we've been with you all of this time, you know, at, at this point, you know, they've been together for three years, um, all the time, right? you know, eating, sleeping, walking, right. ministering, everything together. And he, he's telling them that he has to go. And, um, and yet, you know, they knew him, even though being with him so much, they knew him still, like, on more of a superficial level, and their consolations that they were receiving from him right. were not as deep as, you know, they needed to be. They were not complete. Yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm sure that there are moments of complete just questioning of their identity just in that instance, you know, like, if you go... You know, no who one, am I? Right, who am I? And who who will follow us, you know? And right. who will follow, you know, this is all over then. If you're going right. to go, then we're done. <laughs> I mean, <Right. laughs> where are you going? We all want to go with you. Um, but just his words and how piercing it had to have been. You know, Jason and I always say that we always imagine Christ, that anytime he said anything, because he just loved us so much, is probably always laced with tears and Oh, yeah. And passion, you know, just because he just loved his people so much. He did not want to leave them. I, right. I assure you that. And so um, just the thought of him having to say, you know, it's better for you if I go. Right. right. Um, it's so heartbreaking. Um, but it's also what Good Friday is really about and what desolation is about. You know, we made that, that parallel last time about desolation and Good Friday. Um, that it is a time to long for him right, and not to forget about him, which is so, it's so simple to do, you know, because the enemy beckons you, you know, to just forget that, you know, this is actually where you belong. Desolation is where you belong. But, you know, the Lord and the great consoler, the Holy Spirit invite you to remember him. Right. Because the truth of the matter is that he's, he's never truly left you. Right. Uh, and that, and that's the awakening he's trying to have. Right, and, and even and that's what he even tells the disciples. Then he says, "If, if I, if I do not go, then the great 
consoler, the counselor will not come to you. Right. So, um, so let's talk about these three principal causes of desolation. Yeah, so the first one is regarding being slothful um, or negligent in your spiritual tepid. life. Tepid, yeah. Um, and, you know, as I was going through these rules, like the first time I read it, I think that, I mean, personally, I feel like this is probably one that many times is the cause, at least in my life, where, you know, you find yourself like, why am I feeling distant from the Lord? And you're like, oh, yeah, it's because... Uh, I haven't know. talked to him in like right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I get home from work and I'm like, oh yeah, Lord, I really haven't spoken to you or include, you know, included you in throughout my activities during the day. And um, but in His mercy and His love, you know, He quickly, you know, He's there. Um, right. And I mean, even think about you know something as simple as as our our marriage. You know, if we become tepid or negligent or slothful towards one another. Yeah. You know, it harms what we have. Absolutely. I mean, you can't foster a relationship um, assuming that, you know, what you've done to this point is good enough and now I've made right. it so I can just, you know, <laughs> coast. <laughs> because that's not what love is. Love is always outpouring. That's what it's we did on our last anniversary. We just high-fived and we were like, this is good. Right. I, mean, I think we're good. All right, I'll see you later. <laughs> And then we just meet up for the podcasts. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Until <laughs> next time. <laughs> um, but in the book, he talks about, he gives two examples of a, a guy named Patrick um, and a lady named Catherine. And he says that Patrick is fervor. He has fervor and love for the Lord at the start of this retreat. And then as the retreat goes on, you know, and of course, these are all hypothetical situations, but very applicable for us. But he says that as the retreat goes on, then it weakens his fervor. And he reviews his situation, you know, takes the time to meditate amidst the, the desolation, and he remembers. And then that helps to renew his fervor. And then there's Catherine, who is faithful, loves the Lord, but her passion weakens, and then so does her effort. And then she end up, ends up discovering renewed fidelity towards the Lord. And both of those situations, though they're different, they both lead to conversion, and so the first and foremost thing that you have to remember, just like they do with these rules, is that they are in a particular order. So is that you have to have this fundamental direction that's moving you towards God and away from sin. Um, yeah, it's that constant reminder, like, the Lord is always so good in, in reminding us, like, nope, I'm the fulfillment of your heart. Nope, right. I'm it, you know. Like, and this happens over and over, even in the very subtle mundane things of life the moment that you try to find your happiness in something that's lower than your dignity you know something created rather than the create creator uh you were quickly reminded after a while that like this does not make me happy why am i not happy the lord's like because it's me you know you, you've forgotten right uh, so these are just you know it's it's almost a it's not even it's just an axiom. It's a truth that cannot be betrayed ever. So uh, if we turn our hearts away from the Lord and try to find something, find our happiness in something else, it simply cannot, you know. It, right. it's, not, it's not like God's turning and saying, well, I'm going to punish you for that. No, it, it's that it's a disorder within your soul to try to seek that happiness in something else. And that is going to manifest... Um, 
per se, because you have now tried to find your completion in something other than he who, who completes you because you were made right. in his image. And they even talk about um, the fact that there, there can be a general direction towards God and towards holiness, but sometimes desolation doesn't come to correct your general desolation, but it will come to cause regression in certain areas that where you've struggled, you know, um, and so that, that area of regression may be replaced by desolation in order to heal the disorder that occurs there. That like, you may be ordered in every area of your life, but maybe this one area that you just don't want to let go of, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And it will continue popping up until you let go of it. <laughs> why is that funny? I don't know why you're <laughs> laughing right now. <laughs> um, Very awkward. Because we're just, we're so stubborn. I mean, you know, there are, kids. <laughs> there are things that we try to, to do for literally, you know, decades of our life <clears throat> that we can't let go of. So stupid. Sorry. <laughs> not you, listener. Me. Me. I am so dumb for having not let go of these things. Um, and so I wanted to read to you uh, this really awesome entry from St. Ignatius' diary from April 2nd, 1544. He says, Later at another time when much consoled, I thought that I was satisfied. That is, I thought that God, that it was better not to be consoled by God our Lord. If the lack of his visitation was due to my not having disposed myself or helped myself throughout the day, or in giving place to some thoughts that distracted me from his words and the sacrifice, the mass, and from his divine majesty. And so I thought it would be better not to be consoled in the time of my faults, and that God our Lord orders this, who loves me more than I love myself, for my greater spiritual benefit, so that it is better for me to walk straight, not only in the sacrifice, but throughout the day, in order to be visited. Amazing. <laughs> but I mean, um, this is really where we should all aim to, to be. While we're in desolation, you mean? Right. Is to realize that this is better for me. Right. You know, it took the disciples a little bit to get there. You know? Right. Went out on the boat, they return to their old life a little bit. Um, well, it's, it's, a, it's like an invitation into humility, you know. And uh, humility, people always think of that like in sort of like a negative tone. But humility is just the acknowledgement of the truth. And the, the truth is that I'm not the creator. I'm not God, you know. And I'm not happy without Him. And uh, if I'm negligent in... in clinging to him alone, then I'm going to work, walk in darkness. Um, and so, but, but what's beautiful about that is that, my gosh, you know, I am made for him. What, what higher dignity is there than that? And the Lord won't be satisfied right. without me. Like, he can't live without me. He wants me there, and he refuses to let me even be consoled by superficial uh, clingings to even spiritual delights, you know, um, he, he won't, he's not satisfied with that. And it's, it's really beautiful too, for him to recognize, you know, that, um, the desolation is being permitted and that he realizes that, you know, there, like you said, you know, there's nothing else for me, but God, right. but then in that next moment he realizes, you know, but God has allowed this and he loves me more than he, than I love myself. Right, right. So beautiful. Um, and it makes me think of 
Don't laugh, okay? I know I'm laughing, but don't laugh, honey. But it makes me think of The Little Mermaid. <laughs> oh. Actually, I'm okay with it. Go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, one of the very last scenes before King Triton makes her into a human. <laughs> and oh. he's talking with Sebastian in the water. <laughs> <laughs> um, but King Triton makes a comment, you know, like, well... Um, something about Ariel growing up, you know, and Sebastian's like, you know, you have to, you have, if you love them, you let them go, which mm-hmm. is totally different than what Sebastian said earlier in the movie. Um, <laughs> that crazy crab. Um, <laughs> so King Triton says, you know, well, you know, I have to let her go type of thing. And so I'd imagine that is the same way that the, the father's heart is towards us. That, right. you know, like, I, I love you so much and I don't want to let you go, but but he lets us go. You know, like a loving parent, that if yeah. you love them, you you have to let them go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still remember this year is the first year that Gabriel was away from me, you know, like every day, and Jeremiah as well. And so, um, and Gabriel is now six and Jeremiah is four, and so they... We're nearing the end of the school year, and I still remember the first day that I took both of them to school. You know, with Gabriel, um, they make a big to-do at his school for their first day of school. So all the children, instead of taking them to their classroom, everyone goes to the lunchroom, and there's this big, like, kindergarten send-off. Um, and I remember there was this moment where he turned around, and he looked at me, and he was just so scared. Oh, yeah, gosh. And he didn't say anything. He just looked at me, and he's like, he said, Mommy. And so I had to lean down because there was so much noise and he was so little. and Overwhelmed. And I, I leaned down and I said, yes, buddy. And he's like, I am so scared. <laughs> I just remember my heart just breaking because you don't want, you know, in that moment, my, my mother's heart wanted to say, okay, well, then let's just get in the car. Yeah, we're we out of here. don't have to do school. <laughs> we're going to just forget everything. <laughs> You're smart, right? So <laughs> You know everything you need to know. Um, and mommy can teach you the rest. And so... He just was so, and I remember having a pep talk him, you know, mommy and daddy have had first days of school and uh, it'll be fine. I'm glad it was you and not me. <laughs> no, Jason would have just quit his job. Down. He would have been like, all right, well, <laughs> looks like I'm going to be a teacher forever and somebody's going to have to make some money. <laughs> but um, It reminds me of St. Paul where he says at first, you know, I, I fed you with milk. Right. Yeah. But now, you know, we have to wean. Exactly. You know, we have to, if you want to eat meat. You know. Oh man! And so I remember having to leave him, and then I also remember Jeremiah, you know, dropping him off. Jeremiah wasn't quite as timid, which is kind of shocking because their personalities are je- that Jeremiah is usually yeah, the one you would scared. Th- you would think Jeremiah'd be the timid one for but sure. But now, even though it's the last, I mean, we're approaching the last days of school. He's still every morning when he gets out of the car. As soon as he gets out and he hits that sidewalk. He's waving at me. Like, I'm not even having him pulled away yet, you know? And he's just, like, waving vigorously at me like it's the last time that he's going to see me. Hey, Jeremiah? Jeremiah, every morning. And so then he continues waving. I have to roll my window down as I'm pulling away. And even as I'm pulling away from him, I can look in the rearview mirror, and he is still waving. Yeah. And I'll put my hand out, yeah. and I wave the, out the window. And um, he'll even forget where he's going. Like, he'll just walk into the grass instead of following the sidewalk because right. he's just focused on telling me right. goodbye. Um, but Gabriel, now that he suffered that, he he he's not as uh, 
you know, he's since not scared at all. No, he yeah. just gets up and goes. He's excited. Which but it'll is be a beautiful thing that he'll be able to teach his brother, you yeah. know, next year. But it's the same thing in that we have to allow growth, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that when we are in desolation, it hurts the father's heart immensely to watch us. Right. Um, but in, and I'm sure that you know, as the great intercessor, the Holy Spirit is praying for us to remember, and that Christ is also you know, longing for us in those moments because he's experienced this yeah. desolation. You know, all the things that have tempted us, have he has also experienced. Yeah. And he knows that we need freedom, you know, to be happy. And in order to love, actually. You know, if right. you're not, like Gabriel, if you're not free to go to school wholeheartedly and with excitement, then he can't be a gift to the, to the kids at school because the whole time he's all... Uh, you know, bound up in his in his um, insecurities, and uh, he's not free. But now that he's been weaned, he can he can be a gift to his classmates, and he comes home excited about it too. He tells us about you know when he got to help you know so and so at school and teach you know one of his classmates how to tie their shoes and and things like that, which is just so beautiful. Incredible. Um, um, so the second point, we're only on point two. Of, um, <laughs> I don't think we're going to hit hey, another Am I role. supposed to be surprised <laughs> right now? or? <laughs> um, but the second point, the reason why we might find ourselves in desolation, is a trial so that we can see how we extend ourselves, you know, right. in learning. Um, and he gives the example, Father Gallagher gives the example of like a soldier who isn't paid, but he continues to fight you know, for love of his country. And that desolation is fruitful when you have more spiritually after the desolation than you did before. Yeah, and you really have to extend yourself in love in order to grow. Um, you used, I think you used the uh, example of like weightlifting, didn't you? Last time? I did. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. Um, um, <laughs> but no, it's true. It's You have to put into practice these um, faculties that the Lord has given you uh, within your soul. You have to use your will um, sometimes right. to get through the darkness and, you know, um, you know, kind of like throwing arrows in the dark at, you know, trying to hit the target, even though you don't see, you know, at that time what's going on. You know, you trust and you have hope and you you love anyway. Um, right. And so things and, uh, have to be, it, there's this point of, I'm going back to weightlifting, sorry. Um, <laughs> but with weightlifting, the art of it is, is that um, the, the way that you experience growth, or as some of my fellow meatheads out there will say, gains. Mm-hmm. Right, gains. Um, <laughs> gains are important. Gains are so important, is that the, the muscle itself has to be torn apart. Right before it can be rebuilt. And so that's actually where an increase in muscular growth comes from, is from the muscle itself being torn apart, which is the pain that you experience, you know, when you're lifting something that might be a little bit too heavy and you reach failure. Right. And so you'll, you'll hear that whenever you're, if you're working out, you know, you, you, should, you should do this rep until failure. Right. And so failure being until you can't do it anymore. And so, um, and then at that point, you have torn your muscle so much that now it does need that chance to recover and then once it has recovered it will be stronger than it was the last time that you tore the muscle down 
Yeah, and it so. reminds me of uh, St. Paul again when he says that, you know, uh, I'm the strongest when I'm, you know, weak. Yeah, when I'm weak. And, right. And I think part of that is when you sort of hit that failure, if you will, in your spiritual life and you're you're almost resigned to trust completely in the Lord, which is what he's alluding to. Because when you stop trying to, you know, be holy on your own effort alone and you recognize that you can't do it, you're forced to say, well, okay, I can't do it. You know, Lord, you know, I can't do this without you. And that's when you almost have like the burden lightened. There's something that's lightened within you when you recognize that. You're like, oh, yeah, I don't have to be this. The Lord is this. Right. You know, but I'm, I can be this because of my trust in him. Oh, yeah, the spiritual life is about trust. (laughs) It's not about me. Okay. Um, And, uh, and and sort of you know things are lightened and you begin to see who you are and who the Lord is and um, your task at hand. Um, so you know you have to persevere in that in that darkness um, during those times and and you know as you said Good Friday only lasts for so long before the resurrection. Um, so true. Comes you know, around. It may also make me think of the fact that. Um, it's been now, what, how long have I been playing the piano at Mass? Oh, years. I'm not sure. Um, uh, maybe two or three years. Maybe. Um, but I w- I've never played, I mean, I've never been, I've never had piano lessons or anything like that. And so, um, at our parish, uh, the piano player for the Contemporary Mass wasn't able to be there anymore. And so we were talking about, I was talking with a friend about it and um, that had taken over that mass and just directing the music and he was he was kind of beside himself you know I don't know what I'm going to do I can't play all these mass parts and and he played the guitar and so he was just like you know I just don't feel like I'm fluent enough to to play all the mass parts it'd just be nice to have someone on the piano because you know like we all know like in mass that's that's usually the instrument you're following that's the piano right that's the mainstay there and so um I I said very ignorantly um (laughs) I'll help you I'll I'll come over and help you and um, and I don't think I had ever really played a mass part at that point. Maybe, maybe once or something like that. Um, and I just remember just being so petrified every every mass. I still am. I mean, there's still like a a, a part of me that is just scared out of my mind, you know, <laughs> because I was going from a place of being, um, you know, in the pews and active participation, but also then to a point where I had to be in active participation all the time. And so it, w- it was always really difficult, especially at the beginning of the liturgy of the Eucharist to remind myself that I was not like people were depending on me to do, right. <laughs> do something. Right. So I know the first couple of masses that, um, they would go through the beginning of the liturgy of the Eucharist and it would get to the part where he says, you know, in the, um, and with all the angels in heaven, we proclaim. Right. And I remember there was there was always like a three second delay because I think I'd be praying or something and I'm like, oh wait that's me I have to play holy that's holy my holy cue. right now <laughs> and so um, it's beautiful in a way though. but it's gotten easier but I wouldn't say that it's gotten easier because I've gotten better as much as I believe that I at least I hope that I've gained a greater dependence upon him mm-hmm. you know because yeah. there are definitely Sundays where I still get 
extremely jittery, you know, right before I'm about to have to play that first note. And I, and I think to myself, I know that I'm jittery right now because somehow my dependence has become upon myself. Yeah. And not upon Christ because there's so much peace and complete dependence upon him. And that's what I would say that most of our nervousness, most of our desolation comes from is trying to rely on something that is shakable. It reminds me of uh, when we talked about leisure too, just briefly, because at first when you were playing the piano, because you know, you hadn't done it before. It was, it was, it was in a sense, a work for you, you know, right. You know, what you're saying before about um, that part in mass when you were actually at leisure, because it takes being at leisure to worship. So in right. a sense, you were, you were in a state of worship, you know, um, but the piano had not yet become incorporated into that leisure really yet for you. See, what's happened now is that the piano, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the piano has become more of an extension of your being. You know, when you right. when you play it, it has become a leisure, you know, a worship. Um, That's really awesome. Yeah, rather than something that is separate from you and that you have to work, work, you know, work through and grind your teeth through. Um, and that part of that is just because you've done it more, and that. But then part of it is because you believe that it is an extension, you know, of yes, who you are and and what God's called you to, and so it flows from who you are. Just like I would, I would even say, as we are vulnerable with you, listener. Hopefully, listeners. So. Two plural. Two. We said four last time, so maybe there might be four. Um. <laughs> you started talking about working out last time, and we lost two. <laughs> Um, but that the fact that when we first started doing the podcasts, you know, we would, (laughs) (laughs) we would look at each other right beforehand. Like, what are we going to talk about? Like, what are you, (laughs) you ready? You start. (laughs) And then even then, um, you know, having to restart several times before, before we'd actually get going. Um, but Mostly because it, we were just fish out of water. We still are very much fish out of water. And I think that any time that someone comes to us and says, oh, I listened to the podcast, we're like, oh, really? What podcast? <laughs> <laughs> this has definitely been a school for us. Yes, it's true. It's very humbling. It it's is. awesome, though, you know? It's so great. It's so much fun. Well, what's really sad is that we have to come back to this. We haven't even finished this rule, but we're out of time. Well, what's the third part? The third part is thankfulness of consolation or humility. But we can't go there. Stop it. Okay. Okay. Anyway. All right. (laughs) We love you guys. Love you guys. we can't wait to speak with you again. God bless. God bless you guys. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.